You're listening to the Northside Christian Church Podcast. Find out more about Northside by visiting us online at northsideweb.org. I am excited as we are starting a brand new four-part series entitled God Never Said That. We're going to talk about different cultural beliefs that people have attributed to belonging to God. And the reality is God never said any of these things we're going to look at. We're going to begin with a major disbelief that people lean on thinking God had said it to help us through difficult times, through storms in our life. One, when you get into despair and into a storm, people, well-meaning Christians, believers might say, uh, don't worry, everything will be okay. Whenever God closes a door, he opens a what? A window. Well, what does that mean, really? I mean, if I'm on the 10th floor of a building and a door closes and a window opens, that really doesn't do me much good. Or someone might say, with well-meaning heart, remember, God helps those who help themselves. Thanks, appreciate that. That helps a lot. Or the number one comment that we'll receive that we want to talk about today is God will never give you more than you can handle. God will never give you more than you can handle. God never said that. And the more we experience life and go through life, the more we understand that sometimes we get more than we can handle. Well, where did that belief come from? Where did that statement come from? Well, it comes from a misinterpretation of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Let's read this out loud together from the screen. Notice as you look at that, Paul doesn't say he, that God won't give you more than you can handle. He says that God won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And there's a difference. There's story after story within the scriptures of people who were given more than they could handle. Look at Job's life. Job had everything that he could want, health, finances, but then God allowed it all to be taken away. Definitely more than Job could handle. Gideon, another example. God selects him to lead an army against their oppression, oppressors. From the very beginning, Gideon is afraid. In Judges 6, 15, he says, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. God, this is more than I can handle. Moses definitely given more than he could handle. King David dealt with storms in his life, although he brought most of it on because of self-inflicted sin. But in Psalms 38, David says, because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. In other words, he would say, God, this is more than I can handle. This is more than I can handle. Even Jesus himself experienced it. As he was praying in the garden, before his arrest, Jesus told his friends, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And even crying drips of blood 
sweating drips of blood. God, this is beyond what I can handle. I can't take much more. And understand, while sometimes God will give you and I more than we can handle, as these different stories and many more could illustrate, there are reasons for it. And I want to give you two. Here's the first. He will allow us to be given more than we can handle in life because he wants us to to depend on his presence. He wants us to depend on his presence. It was the presence of God in Job's life, Gideon's life, Moses' life, David's life that allowed them to get through what they needed to get through in life. But it also brought them to a point that they realized they had to fully depend upon God and not upon themselves. One of my favorite scriptures comes from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, where it says, Therefore, since we have a high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus came into this world to talk to us about God. Now he's at the right hand of God, talking to God about us. He experienced everything that you and I experience, the pressures, the temptations, encountered storm after storm, and now He intercedes to God for you and I. But oftentimes when we're in the midst of a storm, we begin to question God. We don't gain strength from his presence, but we begin to ask God, where are you? God, why aren't you hearing me? God, why did this happen? God, please listen to me. Get this. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never Let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Deuteronomy 31, 6 says God will never leave us, never forsake us. He's always with us. Paul says in Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am convinced that there is neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height nor death, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You say, okay, Jeff, I get it. But why do the storms still have to come? Why does the darkness come? The answer is because God knows that sometimes it takes the darkest hour for us to truly humble ourselves and trust him. Sometimes it takes you and I getting to the end of ourselves, whatever takes us there, to fully acknowledge that we need God. Horatio Bonar was right when he says, sometimes it takes a dark hour to make Jesus shine bright. And I don't know what that darkness might look for you, look like for you. I don't know if you're there right now. But understand, God still sees. God still knows. God still cares. God still understands. There's an inscription 
was found etched on a wall in a Nazi prison camp following World War II. It read this, I believe in the sun even though it's not shining. I believe in love even though I can't see it. I believe in God even when he's silent. I believe in the sun even though it's not shining. I believe in love even though I can't see it. And yes, I believe in God even when he's silent. And you may not be going through a storm right now or darkness right now, but I guarantee you it's coming. Somewhere in the year 2020, you're going to be discouraged. You're going to face despair. But you continue to reach out to God, continue to lean on his presence, because that's the purpose of storms, to draw us into the presence of God. Another reason God allows us to experience more than we can handle is he wants to, us to experience his power. He wants us to experience his power. You and I were created to rely on God, to be desperate for him. And when we finally recognize that God doesn't expect us to handle everything, all of a sudden there's a freeness to that. God doesn't expect you to be able to handle everything life throws you. But he wants to bring his power into your life to get you through. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh, a thorn that plagued him in his life. He wanted it to go away. We still don't know exactly what it was. But he continued to plead even three times, God, take this away from me. God, take this away from me. And I may be going out on a limb, but I think if there was anyone God wanted to heal, it would have been the Apostle Paul. But he never took it away. He never took it away from him. Paul, desperate to find relief from that burden. Someone said there are two ways to get relief from burdens in your life. Relief comes by removing the load or by strengthening the shoulders that bear the load. There are some things that we're not going to remove but it only is by God's strength that our shoulders and our spirit get stronger. And there will come a time where you recognize, hey, this may be my thorn in the flesh. You may ask God time and time again to take it away, to make it right. God, please help me in my finances. God, would you please heal my child? God, could you just make my marriage better? God, could you enable my teen to come back to you, on and on, whatever it is, there are some things in life where we, like the Apostle Paul, must realize, you know, God's got to make me stronger through this. And here's what's so cool. God spoke to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and he said this, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. My power, God says, is made perfect wherever you're weak. God's grace is what got Paul through storm after storm after storm. And here's an application for you and I to take a hold of. We can't experience God's power, his sufficient grace, until we acknowledge our insufficient weaknesses. Read that with me. We can't. 
and we all have them. Problem is, sometimes we don't like to admit where we're weak. We don't want to acknowledge we're weak because of our pride, because of our selfishness. But when we finally acknowledge our weakness, it's then that God's strength shows up. It's then that God makes us strong. There's a story that kind of captures this whole idea from a book called Tramp for the Lord by Corey Ten Boone. Now, let's read this story to you. She tells about a woman that she met in, a rush, in Russia during the Cold War where Christians were being highly persecuted. Listen to what she writes. This old woman was lying on a small sofa propped up by pillows. Her body was bent and twisted almost beyond recognition by the dreaded disease, multiple cirrhosis. Her aged husband spent his time caring for her since she was unable to move off the sofa. In fact, there was only one part of her body that she could control. It was her index finger of her right hand. So with that one finger, she would type all day, every day, often late into the night. But this woman wasn't just typing, she was translating. And with that one finger, she would translate the Bible and Christian books into Russian. Her husband stood close by and explained to me that sometimes it takes a long time for just her finger to hit the key. And Corey Timboon said that as she looked at this woman, wasted from her wasted form on the sofa with her head pulled down and her feet curled up under her body, she just cried inwardly, Lord, why don't you do something? Why don't you heal her? She says, her husband sensed my anguish and gave me the answer. He said, God has a purpose in her sickness. Every other Christian in the city is being watched by the secret police. But because she has been sick for so long, no one even looks at her. They leave her alone, and she's the only person in all the city who can translate undetected by the police. Now, if you saw this woman, you would not be impressed by her strengths. You might feel sorry for her. You might have pity on her. But isn't it interesting that the one thing that seems to be destroying her, isn't it interesting that the one thing she would most likely want to change is the one thorn she would most likely want to be removed The one is the one thing that God uses most powerfully. His grace comes into this space. And maybe it's a physical illness. Maybe it's just a lack of having what it takes for you. But it creates a space where you experience God's grace and God's power in your life. Whatever your weakness is, be assured that God's grace is sufficient for you. He can use your weakness for his glory and for his purposes. And Paul finally realized that. And he said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 9 and 10. He wrote, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, 
I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. And here it is. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Say it with me. For when, again, Paul says, I delight. I delight in all this hard stuff. When I don't have what it takes, I tap into a power that goes beyond my human ability. I have a supernatural power from God. I have the same Holy Spirit living in me. It's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I thought, how can we understand leaning on God's presence and not our own presence? How can we bring that home? Because the best challenge I could give you is to get out of the kayak and get into the sailboat. Say, what are you talking about? Those of us who still buy into the concept, God will never give me more than I can handle, are probably in the kayak, and we don't even realize it. Kayaking's fun, isn't it? How many like the kayak? I love the kayak. I got one bigger than this one. This is Prentice. <laughs> but we love the kayak, especially when I'm going with the current and with the wind I can paddle forever across the lake <laughs> but sooner or later you gotta turn around and go back right against the wind against the current I mean I can paddle and maybe, maybe paddle like crazy in life saying I can do this I've got this I can handle this I'm making it I can keep on keeping on I'm strong I'm gifted but sooner or later you can't paddle anymore you drop the paddle because it is more than you can handle took me a while to realize this that took me all the way to the end of myself even physically to realize this a while back and it's then that I had to understand that I needed to get out of the kayak and into the sailboat you see when you're in the sailboat it's no longer about you. The kayak is all about me. The sailboat is all about Jesus. Because all we have to do is hoist the sail and wait for the wind. The wind being the Holy Spirit in our life. The Holy Spirit's power blowing through our life. Leading us, directing us, guiding us. Not where we want to go, but where God wants us to go. And there's a big, big difference. John Ortberg said, I can run a motorboat all by myself. All I have to do is start the engine. 
I'm in control. But a sailboat is a different story. I can hoist the sails. I can steer the rudder. But I am utterly dependent upon the wind. My job is to simply do those things that will enable me to catch the wind when it comes. That's why God wants us in a sailboat and not a kayak. To catch his spirit, to catch his presence, to catch his power to go through this life. And I don't know what storm you may be experiencing right now, what heartache it might be, but I want you to know there are a whole lot of people in this room right now that want to pray for you and want to encourage you. In a moment, we're going to sing a song, and if you just want prayer this morning, come on up front. I'll hook you up with someone, take you to the side, and they'll pray for you, whatever it is. Because you need to understand that God has you there for a purpose. God has you here today for a purpose. And whatever you're going through, God wants you to experience his presence, and he wants you to experience his power. And we have people that help pray over you to get you headed in that direction. And if you're here this morning, and you're in a kayak because you've never experienced what the presence of God and the power of God is in your life. You haven't experienced what it is to be in a sailboat. We want to open it up for you too, that you would accept Christ for the very first time in your life and understand what those of us here on the stage and many in this room know, that there is a power, a power that takes us through life that enables us to get beyond even what we can't handle on our own. His name is Jesus. And we offer him to you today. I'm going to ask you to stand. Any of those reasons, come on up. I'd love to talk to you. Let's sing this together.